brand new thinker ready Call down to Crazy Eddie The man who's got most everything A stereo sound His audio selection Will be with your perfection He's the man with all the lowest prices around So come on down and put it to the test See whose prices really are the best Who picks you up with a sound of picture plays And guarantee a smile upon your face when you think you're ready, down to Crazy Eddie, the man who's got most everything, a stereo sound. And so the story's told across the whole wide world, Crazy Eddie will not ever be undersold. Some of you may recall a few episodes back, I had the privilege of speaking to Sam Antar, the former CFO of Crazy Eddie. Sam, thanks for uh, being willing to speak with me today. Thank you for having me on the air. Yeah, no problem, no problem. So uh, let's jump right into it. Here's a little bit more of my conversation with Sam. I am the former chief financial officer of Crazy A. I helped mastermind one of the largest security frauds uncovered during the 1980s. Today, Crazy A fraud is taught in every accounting textbook, every auditing textbook. It's taught for all high-powered agents working for you. Well, it's taught to all agents of the FBI working on white-collar cases. It was a swift army knife of war fraud. It was not even originally crazy. The corporation that owned it was ERS Electronics, for the initials Eddie, Ronnie, and Sam. Eddie is crazy Eddie Antar. Ronnie was a cousin, and Sam was Eddie's dad, Sam M. Antar, as opposed to me, which would be known as Sam E. Antar. Sam, Sam M. Antar set up his nephew, Ronnie and Eddie, in a consumer electronics store on 1117 Kings Highway, East 12th Street and Kings Highway, where they sold consumer electronics. It was known as Sights and Sounds. It didn't become known as Crazy Eddie's until years later. Well, summer time is here, right? And you're probably spending a lot of time around the old pad, or maybe even at your apartment. Well, if you need some good stereo gear to put that time all together, Sights and Sounds on Kings Highway in Brooklyn can supply it. And for the least bread possible, they've got all the best equipment brands like Sony, Barrage, JBL, Infinity, Citation, or any name brand. The prices that can't repeat. You've also got the largest sound room around, so uh, you know what you're buying before you buy it, and you know you really like it first. Come on down and speak to Crazy Eddie. <laughs> For a really crazy deal on any hi-fi system. He taught me how to laugh like that. They're open six days a week till 10, and every Sunday from noon to 5. And if you still don't have the time, you call up and ask Crazy Eddie for an insane price quote on any total system. The number is 376-9774. They've also got a great selection of albums and tapes at some really great prices. Sights and Sounds is located at King's Highway at East 12th Street in Brooklyn. They're the stereo store that will not be undersold. When Crazy Eddie was opening up for business during the early 1970s, Consumer electronics retailers were subject to what was known as fair trade laws. These laws allowed manufacturers to require retailers to sell merchandise at the same price to avoid price competition for their products. These laws were having a negative effect on smaller retailers, such as Crazy Eddie. Back in those days, consumer electronics was, was, was a fair traded item. What is fair trade? Fair trade means that the, in those days meant that the manufacturers of merchandise, the Sony's, the Panasonic, the Toshiba's, the Sharp, mm-hmm. it was mostly dominated by the Japanese back in those days. So these Japanese companies would essentially dictate 
how their product was to be sold on the retail level. So whether you were Bloomingdale, because in those days department stores sold consumer electronics or Macy's or Crazy Eddie's, okay, everybody had to sell at the same price that was dictated by the manufacturer. Right. The underlying rationale behind it was that everybody, big and small, will make profit. Everybody will make money together. Mm-hmm. The problem in practice with that policy of fair trade was the larger retailers that had huge advertising budgets were drawing all of the customers away from the independent mom and pops that didn't have that kind of advertising power. And the smaller mom and pops that had economies of scale built in efficiency to be able to compete better on price where they couldn't compete, say, on service, okay, couldn't compete with these larger menus, larger retailers who were going out of business. Mm-hmm. So in the early days of Crazy Eddie, starting in 1969 all the way to 1971, we were losing money because we couldn't make, we couldn't get enough business because the larger retailers had the huge advertising budgets. The larger chain store retailers, which had larger advertising budgets, were forcing many smaller independent mom and pop retailers out of business. While smaller retailers had lower overheads, they were unable to compete with the larger stores by lowering prices because fair trade forced all retailers to sell merchandise at the same price. Therefore, the smaller retailers could not use their cost efficiencies to pass along better values to consumers and thereby compete against the chain stores. Right, right, right. So what Eddie did was he went to court and battled the manufacturers on fair trade and eventually won and became what was considered a, was considered a retailing revolutionary, the hero of the consumer, because he was the guy that broke fair trade and stopped the practice. Around 1971, Eddie engages in this war with the manufacturers over price fixing and wins the war. Right. And that gains Eddie notoriety as a discounter. Also, Eddie was also Eddie's discounts to consumers was financed in large part by the fact that he was scaling the sales taxes because he wasn't reporting his cash sales. Hmm. So Eddie had number one the notoriety from beating the manufacturers on fair trade, but number two is the ability to discount and charge lower than everybody else because we were, you know, we were garden variety income tax evaders. We weren't hmm. we weren't reporting our income. Right, right. That, Added profitability allowed us to start spending money on advertising, and Crazy Eddie's becomes even more well known because of the ads that were that blitzed the New York metropolitan area twenty four seven. In fact, at one point in time, Crazy Eddie had greater name recognition than Coca Cola. Wow! So, so th- those annoying Crazy Eddie ads uh, helped us become even more profitable. <laughs> Then we were, helped, we were helped by the fact that Saturday Night Live, Dan Aykroyd did a parody on Crazy Eddie it's called Crazy Ernie, where he mimicked the Crazy Eddie commercial. And that gave us implied credibility, but Saturday Night Live was poking fun at us. It's more and more customers flocked. So by the mid-1970s, Crazy Asian is huge, is a profitable company, a growing retail chain. By 1979... Crazy Eddie's has 10 stores. The Antals are making money hand over fist. And most of the money they're making is tax-free because they're not disclosing, uh, they're not reporting most of their income. 
Mm-hmm. At that point, Eddie has this new vision that he wants to take Crazy Eddie's to the next level. He wants the company to go public. Now, how does he get to the next level? Well, we have to go back a little bit. I started Crazy Eddie's in 1971. I'm a stock boy. I'm a nerd. I read the Wall Street Journal in my spare <laughs> time. Um, I, I love reading about the stock market and things like that. And Eddie wanted to cultivate me to be the financial brains behind the company. By 1975, I am now about 18 years old. And now Eddie is sending me off to college to get a degree in accounting and eventually become a CPA so I can advise the family on next steps to take as the business expands. Hmm. He wanted his own numbers man on the inside. By 1979, 1980, I'm graduating from college, and I'm already like a key advisor, like a wartime concierge, Eddie Antoine's <laughs> father and his brothers, which ran the, the uh, family business. And I said to them that one of the things that, he, is, that a public company is, is different than a private company is that in a public company, you are valued at a multiple of income. So in other words, if you are not reporting all of your income, your company's going to have a lower valuation and you're not going to be able to sell your stock for as much money <clears throat> as you can get if you reported all of your income. So if Crazy Eddie's hypothetically is making $10 million but was, but was skimming $5 million, well, our reported income would be $5 million and we'd be only valued on the basis of the $5 million that we reported, not the $10 million we were making. <clears throat> so, we start a process whereby, starting in 1979-1980, we gradually reduced our skimming in order to prepare to go public, because we didn't know what year we were going to actually go public. Right, right. In other words, um, starting in 1979, 1979, we had $3 million in net skimming. What I mean by net skimming is our gross skimming was probably over $10 million, but we used some of the skimming to pay cash expenses. And our net skimming, that's our skimming profit, so to speak. So we had about $3 million in net skimming by ni- 1979. By 1984, the year we won public, we had zero net skimming. And the gradual reduction in skimming over those years meant that Crazy A's was reporting higher and higher profits each year by virtue of the fact that we were stealing less from the internal revenue service each year and and disclosing more and more of our cash sales each year. So, instead of our income growing by, say, 5% a year from 1979 to 1984, it it actually tripled over that five-year period, only basically by virtue of gradually reducing our stimulus. By way of example, if I'm making $10 million, hypothetically, and I'm skimming $5 million, the world only thinks I'm making $5 million. In year two, let's say I make the same $10 million, even though I open up a much, much more store. Okay? Right. But instead of, instead of skimming $5 million, I skim $4 million. So the world now thinks my profits jump from $5 million to $6 million. But the reality is my profits only jump by virtue of the fact that I was skimming less and less money each year. So by 1984, we skimmed nothing. That was the only year that we actually reported legitimate numbers. Wow. And that's the year that we go public. And we went public based upon a higher income than we were reporting in previous years by virtue of the fact that we were skimming less and less money each year. 
The economics of, of this whole crazy Eddie fraud was as follows. You get a bigger bang for the buck overstating your income as a public company, even if it means overpaying your taxes, than you do understating your income as a private company, even though you're evading your taxes. Because as a public company, you're valued at a multiple of earnings. By way of example, if I have, say, a million dollars in income, but I'm not showing it, and there's a 40% tax rate, I'm evading $400,000 in income taxes, a million dollars that I'm not, that I'm not reporting, right, right. Uh, 40% tax rate, $400,000. Now, if I become a public company, and I take that, and I inflate my income by that same million dollars, I may overpay my taxes by $400,000, okay? Mm-hmm. But I still have an inflated after-tax income of $600,000. million dollars in inflated pre-tax income minus the overpayment of $400,000 in taxes equals $600,000 in inflated uh, net income. And if my company is valued at 30 times net income, I'm creating $18 million in fictional wealth, even though I overpaid my taxes by $400,000. And Antar reaped the benefit of that inflated uh, valuation of Crazy Eddie because they own most of the stock. So the Crazy Eddie fraud pretty much evolved as follows. From 1969 to 1979, were garden variety income tax evasions. In other words, we're understating it, we're profitable. We're making money, but understating our income. Right. From 1979 to 1984, we're still understating our income, but by less and less amounts each year until we stop understating our income. From 1984 to 1987, we're a public company, and now we do the reverse. We overpay. <laughs> we overpay our taxes because we're inflating our income, but we're making much, much more in return because we're selling our stock at inflated prices. In fact, one of the frauds that Crazy Eddie did was known as the Panama Pump. In that, as I said, we skimmed money from 1969 to 1984 as a private company. Now we're a public company. So we take some of the money that we skimmed, let's say $2 million that we skimmed after we went public. Right. right? I'm sorry, we take $2 million that we skimmed before we went public, and we put it into Crazy Eddie's as revenue after we went public. So, in effect, we're paying taxes on money that we previously skimmed. But because the money goes into Crazy Eddie and inflated our after-tax income by $1.2 million, we put $2 million into Crazy Eddie, we overpay our taxes by $800,000, we have an inflated net income of $1.2 million, right? Mm-hmm. Our valuation goes up by about 30 to $40 million in the Antares on most of the stock and sold their stock at inflated prices. So... Basically, they took the money they previously skimmed and they put it back in the company. They laundered it back into the <laughs> That scheme is known as the Panama Pump because the money was funneled from Israel to Panama to the United States. That scheme was the basis of a movie called The Accountant with Ben Affleck. And he says it in the middle of the movie around an hour and one minute into the movie. He says, it's crazy A's in the Panama Pump. The whole scheme of the movie was, was a fraud that was originated by the Crazy Eddie fraud, known as the Panama Pump. Wow, look at that. Crazy Eddie in the Panama Pump. Crazy Eddie Antar in the Panama Pump. Have you ever heard of What? Crazy Eddie Antar. He owned a a, a string of electronic stores in New York City in the 80s. Crazy Eddie Antar. 
and uh, he, he started stealing almost as soon as he opened his business. Okay, I'm not following. He deposited money in Tel Aviv and then he cycled it through Panama and put it back into his stores. Okay, why? Why take it out and put it back? Well, initially he was just stealing in carton variety, tax evasion, but then he, he came up with a better idea. You see, by taking his own money, stealing it, and putting it back on his books. It was raining cash. He took the company public at $8 a share. A year later, it was trading at 75 Around 1972, manufacturers were no longer able to require retailers to sell merchandise at the same price, and fair trade was outlawed. Eddie Antar became the hero to the New York metropolitan area consumer due to playing a role in abolishing fair trade. Many consumers considered Antar as a retailing revolutionary, and they rewarded him handsomely as he opened up more stores. Crazy Eddie's business volume expanded rapidly. Although not endearing himself to manufacturers... Eddie Antar built up great customer loyalty during the process of circumventing fair trade by offering reduced prices on popular electronic items. In 1971, a co-worker of Deborah Joyce Rosen, Eddie's first wife, told Deborah about the great buys on electronics he received from purchasing merchandise from a guy he called Crazy Eddie at Sights and Sounds. Afterwards, Eddie Antar changed the name of the business to Crazy Eddie. In 1973, Eddie started one of the largest advertising blitzes ever seen in the New York metropolitan area, and studies showed that Crazy Eddie had better name recognition than Coca-Cola among New York area consumers. And how could he not with crazy commercials like these? Get those earmuffs off! And listen to this, Crazy Eddie's Christmas blow-up blitz is going on now with the lowest sale prices ever on receivers, speakers, turntables, compact displayers, stereo rack systems, anything and everything in audio equipment. Remember, we are not undersold, we will not be undersold, we cannot be undersold, and we mean it. You don't have to ski cross-country to get the lowest sale prices on audio equipment because Crazy Eddie's Christmas audio blow-up blitz is going on now at a Crazy Eddie superstore near you. Crazy Eddie, his prices are... Play it again, Sam. When you think you're ready, come down to Crazy Eddie. The man who's got most everything in stereo sound. So come on down and put him to the test. See whose prices really are the best. He'll fix you up. With a sound to fit your face And guarantee a smile upon your face And so the story's told Across the whole wide world Crazy Eddie will not ever be understood Crazy Eddie, his prices are insane Get a car stereo, a CB, Sony Betamax, TV video game. Get it now during Crazy Eddie's Double Barrel Lincoln and Washington's birthday sale. Shop around, get the best prices you can find, then go to Crazy Eddie and Crazy Eddie will beat him. Call 645-1196. Remember, Crazy Eddie guarantees you the largest selection, professionally staffed service centers, and the guaranteed lowest prices. So go to a Crazy Eddie superstore now during Crazy Eddie's Double Barrel Lincoln and Washington's birthday sale. Stay tuned for part two of my conversation with Sam, where we discuss how his cousin, Crazy Eddie Antar, went from being a retail revolutionary 
to an international fugitive. Eddie Antar is back in the U.S. and will be spending his first day in New Jersey's Union County Jail. U.S. Marshals took Antar, better known as Crazy Eddie, to the federal courthouse in Newark for processing after he was extradited from Israel. Antar faces federal fraud charges now that his nearly three years on the run have come to an end. Eddie Antar disappeared back in February of 1990, charged along with two of his brothers and a cousin of stealing millions of dollars from the Crazy Eddie chain he founded. Antar fled to Israel, where for nearly three years he tried to seek asylum. He was arrested there in June and was extradited to the U.S. Sunday. Antar returns to face federal fraud charges for allegedly cheating investors of more than $70 million. At its peak, there were 43 Crazy Eddie electronic stores, many right here in the metropolitan area, stores that were best known for their commercials touting insane prices. And a special thanks to Sam Antar himself for taking the time to speak with me about the Crazy Eddie saga. I hope you all enjoyed, and like I said, stay tuned for the next part of my conversation with Sam. Oh, oh when you think you're ready, call down to Crazy Eddie, the man who's got most everything. Stereo sound, his audio selection, will be with your perfection. He's the man with all the lowest prices around. So come on down and put it to the test. See whose prices really are the best. To fix you up with a sound of picture place. And guarantee a smile upon your face. When you think you're ready, down to Crazy Eddie, the man who's got most everything, stereo sound. And so the story told across the whole wide world. Crazy Eddie will not ever be undersold.